Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. So I had to do a cleaning house of my idols and my thinking, and it had to start with me, that the Lord had to work in me to work on how I was going to love God, because regardless of whatever God did or didn't do, even if he was sinning, it did not mean that I had to sin. And so I had to start being humble and saying, okay, Lord, trying to fix him isn't working. You've got to start (laughs) fixing me. That's Amber Leah. And this is a best of 2021 Focus on the Family presentation all about marriage. And uh, Amber and her husband, Guy, will be sharing how to de-escalate and have a more peaceful relationship with your spouse. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, it's pretty normal for marriages to experience the ebb and flow of relationship. You have those beautiful days, those wonderful moments, and then you have the maybe not so wonderful moments like... Do I have to tell you again Mm. where the milk is? (laughs) Or I'm so sorry. Or worse, but the irritating things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Here's some encouragement from the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Maybe not you or your spouse, but Jesus is, and that's something to stand on. No matter what things look like with your spouse today, rest in the fact that we have an unchanging God who is willing to comfort you and help you and transform your marriage. Uh, Today, we're going to bravely trudge into some areas that might be a little uncomfortable, uh, the triggers in your marriage. Every marriage has them, and all of us need God's help to get through those things and kind of mature so those triggers don't trigger us, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've asked Jean, my wonderful wife uh, and accountability partner, <laughs> to be here with us today. I think it's wonderful that we have Jean along with us. And uh, Guy and Amber Leah are relationship coaches and co-owners of a faith and family production company in Los Angeles. And they've been married 14 years and have four boys <laughs> And uh, they've written a book together called Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses. And uh, we have that here at the ministry. Give us a call, 800-A-FAMILY, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast to get your copy. Welcome, each and every one of you. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank we you are very much. so glad to be here. Now, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's one of the core communication issues in marriage. How do we not trigger each other? How do we better understand those triggers? And we're going to get into that. Uh, Guy and Amber, you came up with the idea, so let's start with you. Uh, you describe your marriage as triggered from the start. That sounds a little frightening. <laughs> Why was that the case? And didn't you enjoy a little bit of a honeymoon period? Well, emphasis on the word little. We had a little bit of a honeymoon period, but yeah. not, not very long. Things moved very, very quickly for us. Um, when we, we got married and within, within a couple of months, we got pregnant. And so we didn't have that time to kind of develop ourselves and get to know our identity as a young married couple. Um, we quickly shifted directly into parenting and, you know, the extra room that was going to be the fun room suddenly turned into the baby's room and, you know, all that she, my wife is a wonderful planner. And so she shifted into high gear planning mode and painting and all the things. And I'm like, wait a minute. What about me? He was saying. (laughs) So it is evidence of your growth. The fact 
that you just said. She's a wonderful planner. It sounded so heartfelt. Yeah. Uh, no, Did I it am... used to be like, man, she plans everything. It, uh, yeah. I, it still is. I'll, I'll admit <laughs> that can still be a thing. Because Best foot we, forward. Those are one of the differences we have in our relationship is she very much is the planner and yes. she thinks 10 steps ahead. And I'm very happy thinking one or two steps ahead and being in the moment. And so yeah. we... We have to continually find that balance for ourselves. So I get the, the baby part, but before that even, there were other stressors going on yes. for the newlyweds listening that may be going, oh mm-hmm. my goodness, that's my wife or that's my husband. What were yes. some of those other stressors? Well, you know, they say opposites attract and there is mm-hmm. some truth to that, but it also creates a lot of everyday practical problems. And mm-hmm. when you're in a friendship and dating and then you get married, living with one another is a different beast. (laughs) Really? And, you know, it was even early on just with, for example, we would, um, I wanted to put in our new apartment a wall of portraits, you know, Mm -hmm. our wedding photo and, you know, make room for when baby comes and all of that and the planner in me. (laughs) The big wall of pictures. The big wall of pictures. And I thought on a Saturday, this is going to be amazing. We will all lay it all out. (laughs) We'll do all the measuring. Guy will do all the hammering. And he woke up like, he woke up ready to watch the football game, you know, and he was like, whoa. Excellent choice. It was the Notre Dame USC football game and that's what I had planned for weeks for that day. I know, that's right. How could you plan yeah. that during the SC Notre Dame game. We just game. had different perspectives on what was important <laughs> at the time and because we didn't at the time have the communication skills to work through those yeah. things together, which we want to offer people hope that that is possible, at the time we weren't doing that. We were just triggered and easily provoked to anger and so we were reacting instead of responding to each other and uh, and it kind of went downhill from did there. Did either of those things happen then? Did the wall get uh, the pictures <laughs> the or did the game get watched? Yes. The, the wall, wall get, got done and the game got watched part of it so but none of neither of us were very happy about either place at the it it ended up in the book so it's still yeah (laughs) it still exists as one of those days that was a pivotal day for us (laughs) well and you both became convinced that you had married the wrong person yeah tell us about that that's a big statement yeah yeah i i married mr wrong for sure Mm -hmm. um and he married ms all wrong Um, I mean, we just, we got it all wrong. And I used to think, well, I believe in God's sovereignty, but boy, this was a mistake. I mean, I really felt that way early on, even though I loved him. And a lot of the time I liked him. We had so many triggers that I wondered, how is this going to happen? How are we going to navigate this for the rest of our lives? And it wasn't until God started working on me personally, after I nagged and argued and yelled for a really long time, and that didn't work, um, the Lord eventually started to say, uh, Amber, you are Ms. All Wrong, and he's Mr. Wrong, but that's because nobody is perfect. There is no perfect person except for Jesus Christ. And so as long as you continue to be prideful and argue, you are not going to live life to the full or have the marriage that I designed. Because the minute that you say I do, you do become a match made in heaven. And so that's what I had to come to. It was like, you know what? We made a vow. God did bring us together. He is wrong. I'm wrong. But that's because we're two people that are sinful. We need to yield to being perfected in Christ day by day. And that's what's going to make us right for each other. You know, Amber, as you describe that, one of the things that uh, certainly Gene and I have encountered, I think you and Dina, John, have probably encountered this too. It's hard to, if I could say it this way, get your fingers out of your ears. Because I think we get into the habit in our marital relationships where the more pain you're causing me, the more trigger you're causing me, mm-hmm. the harder I stuff my fingers into my ears because I don't want to hear it. And it, it is the exact opposite of what the Lord wants from you. 
right? Yeah, the yeah. pain acts as blinders. You know, it, it filters us to not being able to hear or see yeah, each other. Yeah, and, and that is a, a, a fork in the road in your relationship. You got to decide if that's where you want to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Let's go to some of the triggers in the mm-hmm. book because I want to hit those. Yes. And you're going to come back next time because we're going to keep this discussion going. And yeah. Jean wants yeah. to tell the world about all of my, you know. <laughs> It'll be a separate uh, she's, got, she's got quite a list of them. She, I see the list. Me. It's going to the floor there. What's the but uh, one of the things, Amber, you identified with, and Jean uh, said, yeah, that's one for me too, is when the house is a mess. Yes. That's a trigger. It is. How is that a trigger? I mean, are Guy and I triggering this and you and Jean? Or you know, it's a combination it... of things. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, every marriage is unique, right? Because you've got a, two unique personalities, and that's going to make up a unique marriage personality. But for a lot of couples, we found that one or the other is more bothered by clutter or dirtiness, you know, which are two mm-hmm. different things. Sometimes the house is very clean. Wives will tell their husbands when they, you know, are come in after being gone from work or whatever, and we'll say the house is clean. It's just cluttered. That's it's right. messy. <laughs> but those are two different things. I'm trying really hard here. But so for Guy and I, you know, he's not as uh, bothered or triggered by clutter as I am. And when you're home a lot, like I was with our kids when they were young, a lot of couples will tell us this is such a problem. And so I had to disrupt that habit of being reacting, being quick to anger. And, you know, I believed God when he said, be slow to anger, you know, be quick to listen. And I had to say, okay, deep breath. What can we do together to tackle this? You know, put some things in place, communicate. Part of it was just me practically having to get some better storage bins for the mess, teaching the kids to take on a little bit more responsibility. But if that's your biggest trigger, you know, don't get overwhelmed by the 10 triggers that you have, but take one at a time. And we would do that. We're like, look, the constant clutter is not working for me. What can we do to strategize together? I don't want to keep reacting. Mm, I want right. to be more proactive. If I can say from my side of things, um, you know, I was working a really intense job where I'd be at work 10, 12 hours a day and I'd come home and Amber's got, you know, two or three or four kids at home. At this time, it was three kids, two of them still in diapers. And I'd come home and could barely open the door because there's like toys all over the floor, <laughs> you know, and I'm walking into that going like, I just got off work and I should come into a house that's clean and ready and, you know, and I'd be frustrated or I wouldn't say anything. Yeah, that and was I would, not a good And I would, allow, <laughs> I would allow that trigger to kind of bubble up in me and it would immediately push me towards frustration and anger right away. But until I gained a full understanding of what her day was like with those kids in the house by herself without a lot of friends at all in our this new neighborhood that we had moved into, until I had a better understanding of what her days were like, I, I was triggered very quickly. And so once we had a better understanding of that, it allowed me to be more understanding of walking into that. Mm-hmm. But I just think that you have to have an understanding of what your spouse what their day is like and what they're going through. And again, it goes back to that me first attitude a little bit. When you um, are concentrated on yourself, thinking about what your attitude is going into something, I think you can get a better understanding of what you're walking into with your spouse. And you would do that also. He would call me on the way home yeah. from work. He got in the habit of doing mm-hmm. that just to kind of get a lay of the land, a feel for the environment he was walking into so he could prepare himself mentally <laughs> to walk into that. Yeah. That yeah. was That's one good. thing we did. I'd take too. a moment either in traffic or right out in front of the house while in the car just – How's it going? What, 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 what am I walking into? What do you need Just help so with? so I know. When, when I would call home, oh, what do you need help with? When I would with? call home if Dina said, what do you want? 
I knew that I was walking into yeah. something. <laughs> exactly. Sounds more like military communication. <laughs> we got four zombies in the yeah. there. Look out that's when you come right. in the door. Yes, yes. I mean, that's Prepare crazy. yourself for the land. Okay, well, that was very good of the ladies on this uh, house being clean thing. Now, let's go to a guy one. Guy. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to us being triggered, uh, maybe backseat driving. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I'm terrible at that. Yeah. Right, Gene? I'll yeah. confess it. Me too. <laughs> I can be a backseat driver. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but we, she didn't yeah. hesitate no, much there. <laughs> no, but we've no. worked through that. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. That one's off the... Okay, let's move on to the next <laughs> trigger. Yeah, talk but about guy, there was early in your no, marriage, you had a driving it. experience, I think, with the two of you. Yeah. What happened? And we'll respond. Yeah, we were... Well, you know, we, yeah. we so we live in Los Angeles, and um, it is just crazy. It is fill every hole. It's traffic for hours. It's just nuts. Yeah. And um, on this particular evening, we were driving back. It had rained a little bit, and um, we were. I was changing lanes, and someone in front of me just changed right in front of me and caused me to have to, you know, jerk the wheel to get out of the way. And Amber immediately was like, guy, what are you doing? You shouldn't drive like that. And it was yeah, this immediate like lash out at me. <laughs> and I'm like, it wasn't me. It was him. And I'm trying to be defensive and take care yeah, of this. Yeah, let me ask you this question. If yeah. you didn't swerve, would you have been hit? Oh, absolutely. Probably. Okay. Clearly I'm on your side on this yeah, one, clearly. guy. I am now. However, <laughs> I wasn't then, but I am now. Yes. The principle uh, is, and we, we didn't necessarily work it out that night as successfully, <laughs> but And guys being later, nice, because the truth is, this was a habit of mine. I mean, I, yes. I was. it wasn't just it when was we were in danger. Yeah. I was always telling him how to drive. Yeah. I, I admit that. Yeah. yeah. But- uh, what I was able to do is to think the best about my wife and realize that she wasn't lashing out at me in my bad driving. She was actually lashing out at her sense of safety for our four kids that were in the back seat most of the time. So she being the mama bear, her concern was safety for them. And so um, that's where her frustration was coming from. So I just had to realize that it wasn't towards me. It was literally about the situation and allowed me to accept her anxiety. And anxiety and all that <laughs> in a much different yeah. way. And it really changed. Um, it still crops up from time to time. It's an organic thing. Marriage, you know, every day is different. So it still comes up every but once in a while. But it required a conversation. I mean, yeah, one of the things absolutely. that Guy and I did yeah. is, I mean, it was so constant that we were getting frustrated in the car. We were like, look, we're going to have to drive together a lot for the yeah. next however many years. We've got to figure this out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on you. You're the driver. You focus on driving. I'm the passenger. I will work on being a passenger. And not a driver. And I will That's try to great. allow my anxieties to take a backseat, you know? Yeah. But, and, but the question is, how did you control your tongue? That's what all I, of this is about, this is right? A couple things. Yeah. I'd bite my tongue literally. I'm not kidding. I would just like bite my tongue, you know, like, okay, Amber, zip it. But um, we started listening to podcasts or books on tape just to distract me. Were these me. instructional mm -hmm. driving? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That Focus would, on that the family See, we should have come here no back doubt. then. Just, That's a good idea. Right. <laughs> just picture the blue skies. Make a right turn. Water trickling. But honestly, like, it, it seems like a small thing, you know, being a backseat driver. I get it. But it really, the perpetual you know, interjections of while someone's driving, mm -hmm. it gets to you. It just creates a layer of frustration that you may not even pick up on overtly. So now when Guy is driving, I'm in charge of the map and not in a, hey, turkey, you were supposed to turn there, which I still do. <laughs> that was a brave move, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and letting him take the scenic route. You know, if he doesn't go the way I would go, it's okay. Let it go. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. 
Tony really struggled in his marriage. He and his wife seemed incompatible and headed toward divorce. Folks on the family many, many times was just very encouraging, very encouraging for us to stick together, to pull through, to work it out, to um, go the distance. I'm Jim Daly. This season, help us give families hope. And when you give today, your donation will be doubled. Donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to hoperestored.com today. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. And for those just joining us, the trigger's idea is that I'm having a reaction, but it's kind of the tip of the iceberg, right? There's something else going on, perhaps, that's kind of coming forth. Is that fear? Yeah, a fear, for sure. Fear, um, anxiety, uh, a sense of lack of control, even positive change can cause some measure of stress in a relationship sure. where you're more easily um, set off by things that your spouse well, the book, is doing. The book is split up into internal triggers and external triggers yeah. for a reason. Um, all those things are you know, encompassed in both of those. Mm-hmm. Right. And Amber, I can relate to this next trigger. Actually, I can relate to all the triggers, frankly. <laughs> but, um... Oh, we're signing off. Thank yeah. you for joining Focus on the Family. <laughs> But uh, in your book, you've mentioned that you've had a struggle with an intimacy idol in your relationship because you didn't feel loved. Uh, Tell us about that. Yes, I had very many preconceived notions and expectations about what our marriage was supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And for us, I thought it was going to be a lot of security financially, white picket fence, Mm -hmm. um, guy will go to work. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom uh, and work from home on occasion. And the Lord, you know, he's got all his plans for us are good, and they work together for good. But in those early years, I didn't think much of the plans that Guy was making for our family were good. And so (laughs) I had this idol of you know, closeness and intimacy that he was going to do things my way. We were going to be on the same page. And when that didn't happen, it caused me to become really bitter. And so no matter what guy would say or do, he couldn't get it right. Right. And that is a really dangerous place to be. And it's a painful place to be. Well, and it sets up conflict, obviously. Gene, I just, you know, for people to understand your connection with this what were you feeling and uh, I think it's rooted in expectations that's what you started with absolutely that we have unrealistic expectations and I would say you know the maybe the greatest thing that I've learned through marriage is that your spouse cannot read your mind and I can remember being hurt that Jim couldn't read my mind. He didn't (laughs) know everything that I expected. And if I had to tell him what I was expecting, that that made me angry. And until 
I recognize that is so unfair. Only Jesus, only God can read our minds. And I am not God. (laughs) (laughs) I know that every day. It's okay, and you should sit down with your spouse and during a season and say, okay, this is really what my ex- expectations are for my birthday or, or for when yeah. you come home for work or these are my expectations for when I come home for work and how can we get the there? The birthday one's funny. You should bring that up because one, there was one birthday where Jean said to me, I just, you know, I'm not sure you can tell us all the motivation behind this, but said, you know, I really don't want anything for my birthday. I'm good this year, basically. Mm-hmm. Very, yes. very crisp, bright attitude. I thought, oh, wow. Very Take some selfless. pressure. So birthday comes and, you know, we have dinner and the next day I could tell she's not happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's the matter? <laughs> you didn't even get me a card for my birthday. Yeah. Well, and well, I, I thought you said <laughs> I, what I heard I, I was heard you didn't want different than you said. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, anything is like a gift. It's a card. It's anything. Right. But that wasn't quite it. No, and I still Swing I remember. And a miss. I remember <laughs> where we were when I said it. Wow. What, yeah. And what have I, I meant ever said I'm was sorry? what I meant. I'm yes, sorry. Yes, you have. <laughs> what I meant was I I didn't want Jim to buy me a gift. Yeah. I didn't want Jim and the boys. But that didn't mean I didn't want homemade cards from the boys, you know, that I, I wanted a cake, yeah. I wanted, yeah. you know, dinner. Yeah. 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 She wasn't fully letting you off the hook. What she, yeah. did, what she didn't realize is she was actually giving the boys and I a gift. Yeah, a, right? a day off of yeah. birthdays. Yeah. And we thought, wow, that is so but, kind of mom. But yeah. How selfless. That, I will say, I mean, truly, after that, there, I was able to say to Jim, okay, these are my expectations yeah. for my birthday. <laughs> right. was, I want, you work it I out. Want, can you mm-hmm. work Necessity. with the boys yeah. to make a handwritten card? Now, you guys had this yeah. with Christmas, right? Your we first did. or second Christmas? Yes, you had a stocking battle? Right. I mean, it, we were yeah. so excited. We were going to do stockings. You you say it, guy. Yeah, I was, <laughs> you, I was, you did it. You did I was it. so excited when she said she wanted to do stockings. I was really excited that that was going to be a, a tradition in our family because that was something that was a tradition that my family had. Uh, the night before Christmas, we would always get together and open the stockings, and it was so much fun. But our stockings would be filled with gag gifts um, and little funny things and just crazy stuff. And we'd do even a white elephant thing where you'd end up sending the, the bad gift around. And um, and it was so much fun. Amber's stocking, for me, was filled with cologne and movie tickets oh, no. and all this wonderful you know, oils and different fun things. And it was... Yes, Boy, we I were pulled out so... a red feather boa, and I was pretty sure yeah. that pulling that red feather boa out of my Christmas stocking that we weren't going to make it to Christmas. The beginning two. of the end. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, he, I had been so thoughtful, all these favorite things in his stocking, uh, valuable gifts, and I had just gag gift after gag gift, and I just thought, wow, we are really living in two different planets here. Yeah. You know, Amber <laughs> and Guy and Jean, I just, uh, at the end here, I think it's important to really hone in on that idea of um, coveting the ideal marriage, right. having that high, high, impossible mm-hmm. expectation, I guess, Amber, yeah. that you describe in your book. I want to, again, address that. Why is that really one of the most damaging things to a marriage? When you have an idol in your thinking and you don't even realize it, because your spouse is not 
living up to your expectations or your marriage or your circumstances. The life that you've created is not the life that you hoped for and prayed for. You have a choice to make at some point in that moment. You can continue to be triggered and angry and bitter, and you can go down a path toward destruction because Satan is alive and well, and he is um, seeking whom he may devour. And we're convinced that he was trying to devour us in those Mm -hmm. early years of our marriage. And, And even now, he still is on the attack. But the other option was to recognize that my desire for what I want is either going to become so obsessive that I sin if I don't have it. And that is an idol in my life because I covet that more than putting on humility, a compassionate heart, kindness and forgiveness, and being open to trusting God with my marriage and my husband and my life. And so I had to tear down all those idols of what I wanted. And I had to start approaching Guy differently And he had to start approaching me differently. And ultimately, we had to say, our lives are not our own. If I am so fixated on guys, you know, ability to make me happy or not, or my circumstances Mm -hmm. to be ideal, then I will always be miserable because in this world, I will have trouble. But Jesus says, fear not, for I have overcome the world. So I had to do a cleaning house of my idols and my thinking, and it had to start with me. That yeah. the Lord had to work in me to work on how I was going to love God. Because regardless of whatever God did or didn't do, even if he was sinning, it did not mean that I had to sin. And so I had to start being humble and saying, okay, Lord, trying to fix him isn't working. You've got to start <laughs> fixing me. I also appreciate uh, the transparency from Amber and Guy Leah on today's Best of 2021 Focus on the Family. Uh, some convicting reminders there. And Jim, it really was uh, very nice to have Jean in on the conversation as well. Well, I do uh, every time Jean's here. I'm glad she's there with us. Uh, I really appreciated Amber and what she was talking about. Fixing those little problems in your marriage isn't just about praying for your spouse to change. It's about working on your own heart first. And if you can get there, uh, your marriage is going to be in a good place over the long haul. And we're here to be kind of a drip irrigation system for you in your marriage to help you remember that. Uh, We want to help you have a strong, thriving marriage. And we know challenges arise. We get that. Uh, We also know that sometimes professional help is needed to rescue a marriage. That's one reason we have our Hope Restored Marriage Intensives. And they work. In the post-two-year survey that we do with these couples, 81% are doing better and still married. Uh, We couldn't do this type of ministry without you. Uh, When you support Focus on the Family through prayer and financial gifts, you come alongside those couples and so much more here at Focus. You give families hope. And when you donate today, a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Guy and Amber Leah's book, Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses' Angry Reactions for gentle biblical responses. And that'll be our way of saying thank you for standing with us to save these marriages. Donate and get your copy of Marriage Triggers when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we continue this best of 2021 conversation with Guy and Amber Leah and Jean Daly as well. And once more, help you and your family thrive in Christ.
listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. The Lord eventually started to say, uh, Amber, you are Ms. All Wrong, and he's Mr. Wrong, but that's because nobody is perfect. There is no perfect person except for Jesus Christ. And so that's what I had to come to. It was like, you know what? We made a vow. God did bring us together. He is wrong. I'm wrong. But that's because we're two people that are sinful. We need to yield to being perfected in Christ day by day. Amber Leah and her husband Guy are back with us today for this best of 2021 Focus on the Family. Your host is Jim Daly and I'm John Fuller. And today, you're going to find hope for more peaceful existence with your spouse. And Jim, unfortunately, those conflicts do come up from time to time for married couples. Yeah, they do. We talked about that last time. I thought it was a very fun, but it, it was deep, too. It had great content. If you didn't hear our program last time, uh, get the download. Mm-hmm. Uh, download the app on your smartphone. Go to the Focus website. You can listen there. Uh, there's a verse in Romans that catches my attention. If it's possible, the verse says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I don't know that we always think about that verse in the context of our spouses, but that Mm. would be the first place to apply it, right? Mm -hmm. Live at peace with your spouse. Uh, If that describes where you're at, maybe not at peace with your spouse, and you need to be at peace with your spouse, today's program is going to be for you because God's mercies are new every morning. And as you listen to today's program, I'd encourage you to surrender your marriage and your heart uh, to the Lord in this area of your life. Mm-hmm. And Guy and Amber are uh, some great guests. As Jim said, the last conversation we had with them was wonderful. And uh, they're relationship coaches, they're TV production professionals. They've written a book called Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses. What a great deal. It is. (laughs) And uh, we do have, of course, that book here at the ministry. Give us a call if you'd like a copy. And Jim, we should mention that your wife, Jean, has joined. I think that's very brave of you to invite Jean into the studio. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth, John. No, it's great to have Jean with us. Welcome, Jean. Well, thank you. And so many people, yeah, so many people love it when you're here. So thanks for saying yes. Guy and Amber, thanks for being back with us. Thanks for having us. Let's kick off today, Amber, with your love language. It's something Mm -hmm. Gary Chapman is the author of the Love Language book. He's been on Focus many times. He's a great friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, you identify with words of affirmation. Gene, I think you would agree with that for you, right? Words of affirmation is your core love language. Uh, But you describe Guy as pretty much pathetic in that delivery mechanism of words of affirmation. (laughs) Is that fair, Guy? Did I over-dramatize that? It's very fair. I think, just to be honest, Gene might agree with Amber (laughs) that I, too, am pathetic at delivering Mm -hmm. in that love language. Gene, do you want to affirm that? Pathetic is so harsh, but... (laughs) (laughs) There's room to grow. Room to grow. What a good HR person you are. But that room to grow. So, Amber, describe that area where you know, this is how you communicate. That's Gary Chapman's That's uh, right. conviction on this is everybody's wired with a certain communication style, things yes. that affirm your heart. Yeah. Words of affirmation right. are, are what affirm your heart, what yeah. affirms Gene's heart. How did Guy let you down? And Gene, get ready. I'll come to you about how I've let you down. Yeah. And, you know, that book, Gary Chapman's ministry was profoundly impacting on me early on in those early days of our marriage because it gave me Um, a concrete understanding of why some of these triggers were also taking advantage of our relationship (laughs) because we were not feeding each other. But 
early on, especially when I recognized that my love language was words of affirmation, guys is really acts of service. You know, he would just, I mean, our kitchen was sparkling. I mean, I never had to do a dish and I loved that, but he just thought he was loving me so well because he, I never had to dry a dish and put it away. I mean, and he was excellent. He's still excellent at that. I still don't do dishes to this day, really. I mean, he's so good at that. But I was just starving for that affection, and I couldn't understand why he wouldn't get with the program. And so, did you ever talk that out? I mean, did you ever sit down? We did. I'm pretty sure that his book was the first book that was given to me by my wife. Okay. <laughs> yes, uh, as, as it was it actually the DVD pillow? set for the driving yeah. my 45 minute commute every day. Yeah. There's a there's a yeah. hint. But you know, we were so triggered for so long that we couldn't even get to the point where we were doing that really well for one another, giving each other what each other needed. What and was so, that turning point then? Uh, it, crisis where I just said, I have to either do something radically different or tomorrow's going to look just like today. And because my efforts mm-hmm. in trying to fix my husband and be his Holy Spirit voice were not working, mm-hmm. I knew the only person that I could control was myself. And so I just started with Lord. I And here's a really I think important um, underestimated prayer is, Lord, I'm not sure what to do, but I know that you know what to do. And so I'm just going to be an open book. I need you to just cleanse me and show me what to do, think and say, because I don't know what to do, Lord. It's in your hands. (laughs) I ironically had to. um, It's one of those situations where you see your wife walk by you and you think to yourself, wow, she looks absolutely stunning, but it stays in me. It doesn't come out of my mouth to right. her. Yeah. Right. You're having and, a conversation and I do that in a your lot. head. Yeah. And because I, for some reason, I just wasn't purposeful about getting that out and telling her what I was thinking in those moments. And that's what she needed. She wanted to hear those things. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you did yesterday. Those kinds of things. And I, I just didn't verbalize it. So I found myself having to schedule yeah. in my calendar yes, twice a day. I would do a reminder yeah. in my calendar that just said, think amber and it would pop up it would be a quick reminder on my blackberry at the time and it would just say that it would be purposeful for me to call her and say something or to remember and not that i did it all the time but i needed a prompt to like remind myself that she needed something it was okay and honestly for me it didn't remove the meaningfulness of it because at least he was working towards it now amber and guy you make a statement in the book uh, where you're identifying a question that god often puts on both of your hearts during arguments and misunderstandings now that's that's really spiritually sensitive that you can hear the lord as you're arguing that's far better than me i usually have to calm down and then okay lord yeah i'm sorry i didn't mean to say that and i love what it is do you want to win the argument mm. yep. Or do you want love to win? win? Mm -hmm. That is a beautiful starting point and one that most of us couples just blow right by. Uh, Again, um, when you get to a place of brokenness and you say, God, I don't know what to do, but I need you to show me, he will show up for you. You can always count on God to be there to you. He hears our prayers. He hears the ache in your heart that you can't even put into words. And that's where I was. And so I remember very vividly uh, being at a point where Guy and I were in an argument. And I just remember this thought that came into my mind. Amber, do you want to win? Or do you want love to win? Because Mm -hmm. if you want to keep winning this argument, tomorrow's going to look just like today. And you're not living life to the full. You know, Amber, Mm -hmm. the thing about that, it sounds right and true. And everybody just went, whew, yeah, that would be good. 
but then you got to do it. That's right. And that's the hard that's part. The hard and why, I guess, two questions. One, why do we have that hesitancy? What becomes the obstacle in doing what is so right? Um, it's because we're not living out Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And that, at least for me, that was true, which says, you know, put on a compassionate heart with kindness, meekness, patience. And it says to bear with one another, right? Mm-hmm. Which means we're going to have to bear with each other through some of these triggers. And then it, it also says, be forgiving of one another as Christ has forgiven you. Um, and so what that looks like is me taking a deep breath instead of starting to no, 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 again. And, and literally I would stop. We've got to the practice of stopping in the middle of the wrong words right. and saying, I'm upset. I recognize it. I didn't mean to really say that and I want to not say anything further that's going to be damaging let's take a break for a minute and go take a breather until we can calm down and have a conversation outside of conflict and we just got good at giving ourselves permission to do that and then that did just take spiritual maturity but that isn't that the point you guys isn't the point for us all of our relationships to be about being refined Yes. This life is not our own if we start thinking well it's just about healing the marriage it's not just about healing the marriage this is about an eternal reward. This is about living and becoming more like Christ. And that's yes. our end game. So we need to start doing things differently than we've been doing. And we need to be radical in our commitment to saying, let's stop. Let's take a break. Let's put each other first. And let's be forgiving each other just like Christ forgave us. And then we've got to start saying and doing things well, differently. Well, I think you're saying exactly what I believe is the purpose of marriage. Yes. You know, in the whole culture and the me orientation that we have is what am I getting out of this? Almost like a contract. Right. Mm-hmm. It is right. so obvious that the Lord said, listen, I'm creating this institution so you can become more like me. That's yes. That's, That's scary it. because yeah. that description is selfless. Giving, right. kind, loving. And learning it, to serve yeah. one another, which is not natural. <laughs> right. That's not natural. It works but against our flesh, but yeah. it's what the Lord wants. I think that is the, is. the whole answer mm-hmm. to why marriage. Why and, did we do And it do might it this feel, way? Yeah. like I, we always tell people, if it feels like the death of you to yield in that moment, then you're in the right place yeah. because it should yes. be the death of you. It's, it's exactly the death right. to self. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if it feels like the death of you, yeah. that's yeah. the right place to be. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Friends of Focus on the Family, give families hope this Christmas with a gift of appreciated stock. By donating appreciated stock, you create tax savings while turning resources into help for hurting families. And you'll also receive a tax deduction on the fair market value of your gift. Let our team help you make the most of your giving. To learn more, visit GiveFamiliesHope.com. That's GiveFamiliesHope.com. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk. We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. 
let me transition a little bit and go to something that really caught my attention in the book. Um, there was a point you said in your marriage when you realized you didn't have a foundation of friendship. Hmm. Okay, I believe most married people are leaning in right now when they've heard that because there are seasons in marriage when you don't feel close. It's busy, it's kids, it's you know littles running around and <laughs> pulling on everybody's time. But I guess the first question is, what made you realize that I don't have a foundation of friendship with my spouse? And what did that look like? We didn't like each other very yeah. much <laughs> at one point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, just like you, you said, you get so caught up in all of the demands and the things that are happening. You shift your focus from being a married young married couple who are very good friends to suddenly everything shifts to care of the kids, care of parents. Um, care of your career, all of these other things. And the friendship slowly becomes the last thing that you get to mm-hmm. because everything else feels important. And so we didn't, we stopped dating. Yeah. We stopped having time for ourselves when we would go out to parties. It, we always had kids with us, you know, and it just, mm-hmm. the opportunities to continue to build our friendship became less and less and less. Yeah. And so we had to decide that in order for everything else to flourish, we have to redevelop our friendship and find ways to build that again. And it just has fed into all of the other areas of our lives. Let me let me ask you this for the wife. Just picture someone in your mind, a wife or husband, who's saying, I hear what you guys are talking about, but I don't feel like my spouse wants friendship yeah. with me. What recommendation do you have to that desert feeling that yeah. I'm not getting any response and maybe That's they're important. using the wrong mm-hmm. tactics, that might right. be. But what yeah. what would you say that individual says, yeah. I'm in trouble? Well, when you get to the point where you don't really like each other because the friendship has faded, mm-hmm. it's difficult to have the emotional energy to want to even be together in those kinds of moments. So Guy and I early on in one of those early conversations we had was we need to simply fake it till we make it for a little bit because we know that putting in place some time for one another and to do things that we used to do that we no longer do that were fun for us together we have to start putting those things back in place and trust the process that we are going to rekindle those emotions and feelings of friendship at some point and it's really important i want to punch mm-hmm. that a little bit because what you're saying is go through the motions when you don't yes. feel it yes. because right. your feelings will catch up with the right actions that's right because it's not lying or it's just doing the right thing absolutely i mean yeah. we do a lot of parenting ministry and one of the things i tell moms and dads like if you're having a rough day just stop and smile just start smiling you know if the kids are getting to you whatever it, just stop and smile just the act of smiling it scientifically you can do read the research <laughs> right. reports but it has an impact on your on your thinking on your mindset and it's the same like even if it's something new that you're trying together, you know, find some common ground that you both is new territory for yeah. both of you even. Right. But make that time, be purposeful, be intentional. And Guy and I also got really structured in our calendar. You know, it, mm-hmm. if you feel like like life has a chokehold on you, your schedule has a chokehold on you, then you have to remove that chokehold in very purposeful ways. We're intentional to plan downtime in our calendar where we we have time where it's just mm-hmm. nothing is planned and we don't let anything encroach on that so we can just relax at home even and not have something to do all the time. That's important. But also, you know, we color code our calendar. You know, here's things for the kids. Here's things for homeschool. Here's things for work. Wow, but that is organized. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the planning thing. That's me. And, and, and we're... And we're 
we run three businesses. We homeschool. Yeah. We do oh, everything wow. together. So we're not talking about like I work and she's at home. We both have crazy, crazy schedules like a lot yeah. of you guys do. Let me, so it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, and I hear that, and that applies then. If you guys can do it, others can do it. Yeah. That's true. the point. Yes, yeah, true. Let me go to the spiritual side of this in the last few minutes that we have here. This is one of the big triggers, and we hear from couples, a lot of wives, to disclaim that. But they feel like their husbands aren't leading. Um, they're not taking that spiritual leadership role, and it's frustrating. It's and hard. the wife is, you know, it's hard to to not have some expectations. And so I guess that would be the question. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you say to that spouse who is struggling with, that wife who's struggling with the lack of her husband doing what he should be doing to be the the spiritual leader of the home? Yeah, that lack of spiritual leadership issue is one that I had no idea was so common until I started being transparent about that in our own marriage. Then you found out just about everybody struggles A lot of people struggle with that. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I got really caught up in what my kind of growing up mindset of what a spiritual leader would look like and then really was putting that on Guy. You know, this expectation that I had that he was going to come in, spiritual leadership looks like him picking the Bible verse for the month that our kids are going to memorize, and he's going to come up with a cool song so they memorize it, because that was what I like to do. That was my strength, and so I just put that on God. Like, why aren't you doing this? And so I became very judgmental of him, Mm -hmm. and that's not a good place to be (laughs) in a marriage. And I I entered our relationship feeling this way because Amber, we both have grown up in Christian homes. But Amber, you know, literally studied, you know. <laughs> she took it seriously. Yeah, yeah took it very seriously. I went to Bible college. Um, I have a minor in theology. Very different, <laughs> very different experiences. And so my faith, mm-hmm. um, I think, tends to come out a little bit more in when I'm with the kids hiking and I can make things very real to them spiritually yes. or when I can have conversations with them on a one-to-one basis. I may not sit down and have the family Bible study, but I pour into them in the way that I can connect with them. And it's a very different way. Did you and, feel that pressure coming from Amber? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Well, without a doubt. My but and, and I, but <laughs> I, I never it. felt like I could ever do that because she, I always felt like she would criticize me or I can never do yeah. the right thing or I'm going to do the wrong verse. I, I just oh, I literally, without a doubt. literally went into it like this that. This may yeah. be the 80-20 yeah. rule. I think 80, 90% of us husbands feel this. Mm-hmm. I know for Jean and I, that was it. Um, she did, I think, have you can speak to this, but being a biology major, mm-hmm. I mean, she wanted a very traditional devotion with the family after dinner. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. I we have two yes. boys. Yeah. If we had daughters, that yeah, might work. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But two boys, we got to go out in the backyard, right. roll around, and then yep. when they hurt me, I'm going to say, "Do you remember fight. King Saul?" <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know. That's it. And that yes. that really was my my approach mm-hmm. to integrating faith mm-hmm. into everyday life. Yeah, and I think that is typical of husbands where we're looking for, like driving them to school. We talk about Proverbs. Yeah. I'd have them read a proverb as I was taking yeah. them to school. Right. But Jean wasn't seeing that. Yes. And I think, you know, it gave her the sense that I never talk about the right. Lord with the boys. And that wasn't accurate. And it is judgmental. Mm-hmm. Amber, you use yeah. that. It is Better judgmental. Better you say that than me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that to think that we have it all right. Right. That we know yeah. exactly how it should be done, so sitting right. down with that devotion. But over let me dinner. come to your rescue for a minute because one of the things I've noticed with moms particularly, there is a fear and control component. We're there in a is. very difficult culture where the culture is grabbing our That's kids. Nice. 
and telling them, you know, mm-hmm. about sex and about other things. And it scares us. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. And I think moms particularly really deeply feel that threat. And so I, mm-hmm. I think it's born out of a good place to compensate for the messaging that kids are receiving in the culture. It is. Our hearts are in the right place. Yeah, and we just have to figure yes. out how we do that effectively because if you're wagging your finger at your yeah. kids, that's not going to work. And it's right. really about letting each person's spiritual strengths be their spiritual strengths. And if I had continued to place my expectation of what spiritual leadership should look like on him, we would all be missing out. No, and I, I so appreciate that. And that's a good word for, again, I think moms particularly who do have those concerns. I mean, husbands aren't off the hook. That's no. Don't get that message right. here. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got Absolutely. to be engaged. We need to be engaged. You need to be dad right. and talk about the Lord in those contexts that fit you and uh, amplify the Lord's work in your own life. Um, We are right near the end, Amber and Guy, and we've taken a mostly lighthearted approach to these things, but there's been depth to what we've talked about. I always say, you know, it's hard to cover all the content in this great book. People just need to get the book Mm -hmm. and they can read it and highlight it and underline it. But there was a night, I want to make sure we capture this. There was a night uh, when your fighting got so bad, and some couples are going to identify with this because they're there right now. Um, but you, Amber, considered leaving your marriage. What happened that night, and what helped you to turn the corner, the two of you? Well, <clears throat> I recognized that I would give up every personal happiness for the sake of my kids. Like, I would mm-hmm. have stayed in my marriage unhappy just to try to give my kids some semblance of security. But that wasn't really working because I remember very distinctly the Lord speaking to my heart and saying, I am not creating you to settle for less than God's best, for less than my best for you. I did not design or bring you together to just navigate through life and soldier through and try to keep peace that's a false peace mm-hmm. by just not arguing anymore. I came to give life to the full, you know, Jesus mm-hmm. says. And so I just came to the point of great humility of saying, Lord, and it was totally the Lord, because when you're at that point and you just think that it's hopeless, it's a very dark place to be. But because we had children, and I think a lot of couples feel this way, they want to keep that marriage intact. And so I just made a decision. Um, And actually, I remembered our wedding vows. Guy and I said on the day that we got married, and people kind of guffawed at the thought of what we were saying, but we said out loud to each other, I will not divorce you. And Mm -hmm. so we'd said that because we knew that there would be challenges (laughs) and we wanted to hear it. And really, the fact that we had said that, and I think a lot of couples obviously are, that's the intention when you get married is that she'll, till death do us part. But we wanted to say it out loud so that when those nights come, like the one where I wanted to just go, um, we would remember what we said and continue to fight for one another as opposed to with each other. Because if we're so busy fighting each other, we are powerless to fight the good fight, to fight the better fight. And God can make a way. If he is the God of yesterday, today, and forever, and he is unchanging, then there's nothing that's impossible with him, and he can bring us back together again. And it does take intentionality, but when you come to that point, we really are prayerful that you will consider um, that your triggers are not the end of your story, and that there is an opportunity 
for hope and for growth. And we're living proof of that. Yeah. Really. Guy, your yeah. perspective on that. Yeah, I just totally agree. I, I'm, Amber made a comment one time about um, there is nothing that anger can do that love cannot do better. And for me, um, mm. that really has settled, you know, for me. And in those moments when I'm feeling anger, I it, it just pops into my mind. And I just remember this is not what the Lord has in store for me. Um, and I control the ship. And I, I have to make a decision right here to love her better, even if it's not uh, what I want in this moment, because I know that that's what's best. And that'll bring us to the close of this Best of 2021 Focus on the Family Conversation with Guy and Amber Leah and also Gene Daly in the studio. It's easy to understand why this was one of our top programs of the year. Amber and Guy had such great insight and practical wisdom for working through some of the little things in marriage that really get under your skin. Uh, you know, here at Focus on the Family, we care about your marriage. I'm going to keep saying that. Uh, we work tirelessly to highlight content like this so you can have a healthy, thriving connection with your spouse. And if you are struggling, uh, we also have Hope Restored, our marriage intensives for couples who need extra intervention uh, to help with their relationship. The Hope Restored team does such wonderful work for broken marriages. Uh, some couples report the intensive was like a year's worth of counseling. Mm. And we follow up with the folks who attend. And after two years, 81%, 81% of the couples have a better relationship and a stronger, satisfying marriage. I love the work that's going on there at Hope Restored. If you're not in a spot of brokenness, though, we have many other resources to help strengthen your marriage. Guy and Amber's book, Marriage Triggers, is a great place to start. Uh, you can get that through Focus on the Family. And when you uh, get it through Focus on the Family, those proceeds go right back into ministry, giving families hope every day. And thousands of people reach out to us here at Focus on the Family for help uh, by phone, email, by mail. We recently heard from a gentleman named Brian who told us he used to be an angry person, but he started listening to these Focus on the Family broadcasts, and his heart changed. His marriage got better. He said he's so thankful for Focus on the Family and all we're doing, Jim, to help families and marriages. Well, I love hearing comments like that. Uh, you know, we never want to turn anyone away, but in order to continue helping people like Brian... Uh, we need your help, especially here as we're heading toward Christmas and the end of the year. Uh, God can use your support to provide scripture-based resources and programs to save and strengthen families. And when you give a gift of any amount today, we'll send you a copy of Marriage Triggers as our way of saying thank you. And here's the great part. Uh, through a special year-end matching opportunity that Friends of Focus have pulled together, mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful for them, yeah. your gift is going to be doubled. And that means you can really have an impact towards saving marriages, rescuing mothers and babies from abortion, equipping parents to raise children boldly in their faith, redeeming broken families, offering emotional peace, caring for children in foster care, and so much more. Your support is critical so that we can finish the year strong and plan to reach even more families in the coming year. God's going to do some great things through you and focus on the family in 2022. Donate today and get your copy of Marriage Triggers when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Or you can donate and get the book and additional help online at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. 
On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.